Turn with me to Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Let's pray. Lord, you are the author of this faith. Lord, you have made everything possible. Lord, you are the creator and you are the savior. Lord, I stand before you right now trembling because no man is adequate to do this. Lord, I ask that uh, today you would speak through me. You would speak through me your words. And Lord, that uh, it would be clear to everyone here what is being said. Open our ears, open our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we continue in our study here, Romans 1. So far we've looked at the depravity of man, how natural man is in a state of sin and is ultimately destitute to the penalty of death and an eternity in hell apart from God. We also looked at the righteousness of God, how it is the standard of God, how it is who God is, and the standard at which he judges everything. That standard is perfection. So this week, we will continue to look at the gospel. We've gone over this last few times here. The gospel literally means the good news. So when we say the gospel of Christ, we are stating the good news of Christ. And when we look at the gospel, we are proclaiming these four things when we proclaim the gospel. These four things are being addressed. The depravity of man, the righteousness of God, the salvation of Christ, and the forgiveness of God. Today, we will look at the salvation of Christ. For us to know what the salvation work of Christ is and what it means, we need to know who Christ is. So we look at this first and foremost, Jesus is God. Again, I'm going to say that Jesus is God. And I say is because he is alive right now. We see this in John chapter 1. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to go over the highlights here. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is further explained, verses 14 through 18. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. 
For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. So we saw that in the beginning, the Word was God. The Word was with God. It explains here, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, which we know is Jesus. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father. And that explains His nature as God, that He was the only begotten of the Father. We see further testimony in John 1 from John the Baptist in verses 29-34. through 34. It reads, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifest to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descend as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist is testifying, and he proclaims that Jesus is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, in verse 29, says, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This speaks to the sacrificial work that Jesus did on the cross. This speaks of the sacrifice that Jesus made to take the sins of the world away. He also says that he is the Son of God in verse 34. This shows his inherent nature as God. His Father is God, therefore, he has the same nature as God does. We also see this explained by the Apostle Paul, Philippians 2 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, a lot of versions say the form of a slave, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Paul also shows this in Colossians 2.9, For in Him all fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. The Apostle Paul is stating here that Jesus was the God-man. That's what it looks like in the Greek. He has the fullness of God, in the spiritual sense. Yet, he was 100% man in the flesh. His body 
was in the form of a human. This also shows that him being the Son of God, he is the second member of the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see this again. I just want to reiterate it. John 1.34, I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. One other thing I want to show you, if you're not convinced by that, is that it was declared by the angel Gabriel to Mary. We're going to go to Luke 1, 26-35. If you would turn with me, because we're going to be in Luke for just a little bit. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So Mary was told by the angel that she was to bear the Son of God. And this was even confirmed by Jesus when he was 12 years old. In Luke 2, I'll give you some background here. It's actually 41 through 50. Jesus and his parents went to Jerusalem. They went every year for the Passover feast. And when he became 12, they went. And as they were returning, they thought that Jesus was with them in the caravan. must have been a pretty big caravan they were, they were wandering in back home. And verse 43, And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it. But supposed to him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among the relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. So Jesus ended up staying behind, and now Mary is just beside herself because, oh my gosh, I left my son and we're a day away. <laughs> And so we need to look here, though, verses 48 through 50. 
When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. He was telling them, I don't have an earthly father. His mother said, You've made us sick looking for you. Me and your father both. He says, No, I'm in my father's house. And Mary of all people, who was visited by the angel and told that she was going to bear the Son of God, she didn't understand this statement. But Jesus declared at that point that he did not have an earthly father. His father was God. So being declared the Son of God, we are shown that he has the full nature of God, but also that his father is God through the conception of the Virgin Mary, that he had no earthly father. His father was literally God. So we see, as Paul said, the God-man, that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Okay, And this plays hugely into the work of salvation. Because if he was only a man, there's no way it would happen. There's no way that that could happen. So how does God make the fact that Jesus is His Son known to the rest of the world? First, we see it through prophecy. With my research, I found that uh, there are noted some 350, maybe more, Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus. One source... I saw reference 350 prophecies and the cross referenced them with their fulfillment to the New Testament. I'm not going to go through all 350, but I do want to show you a few of them here just really quick. The first one is the virgin birth. Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel means God with us. We saw this in Luke. The virgin was Mary. Not only do we see that he was born of a virgin, but Micah 5, 2 and 3 even tells us that he will be born in Bethlehem, which he was. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth to me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. Anyone who knows the story of Christ's birth has heard it, knows that he was born in Bethlehem. 
Mary gave birth to Christ in the manger in Bethlehem. And we can see that account in Luke 2, 4 through 7. I'm not going to go over that because we, we know it. One last thing. It's Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That is in direct reference, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, to Deuteronomy 21.23, and it is in regard to Jesus' crucifixion. God also confirmed to the world Jesus' deity through the miracles that he did on this earth. Many times in Scripture, God performs miracles through those whom he has representing him. We know that Jesus performed several recorded miracles. Again, I'm not going to go through them right now, but we see John 21, 25, in his final statement of the Gospel of John, he says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Jesus performed so many miracles, so many works, to prove that he was God and is God that the world could not contain all the books written of those. So if you remember, John the Baptist spoke of Jesus being the Lamb of God. Okay, we're going to look at what the Lamb of God means now. Since Adam and Eve, we've seen that God has required a blood sacrifice for the sins of man. We can look at Genesis 4, 1 through 5. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Cain knew that God required an animal offering, a blood offering from an animal. And he didn't bring it. He brought fruits and vegetables. He didn't bring that, and God said that he had no regard for Cain's offering because it was not an offering of a blood sacrifice from an animal. We also see in Exodus 12 has the Passover and God has it during the Passover. God had Israel take a lamb and slaughter it, spread the blood on the doorpost 
to save Israel from the slavery of the Egyptians and from what God was going to do to the Egyptians. Exodus 12.23-27, God gives this ordinance to Israel to sacrifice lambs for the Passover observance every year. The sacrifice of the lambs was to be an atonement for the sins of Israel. And this is an image of the sacrificial work of Christ, being the Lamb of God. We see that Jesus in the Gospel records was sinless on behalf of man. That's why He had to be a man. But He had to be God because man sins. God does not sin. So He was sinless on behalf of man. He was crucified and died at the very time the Passover lambs were being slaughtered in the temple. That puts Christ as the ultimate sacrifice to pay for the sins of all mankind. Again, He was the ultimate sacrifice to pay for the sins of all mankind. At the moment He died, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled that sacrifice. And He gave access to everyone to go directly to God. Because there needed to be no more sacrifices that man brought forth. We see in Galatians 3, 13-14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise, the Spirit, through faith. This is the redemption of Christ's blood. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Revelation 5, 9-10 also shows of this. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain. He purchased for God through His blood. He purchased men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Everyone. This wasn't just for the Jews. This was for everyone. Everyone on the earth. All mankind. And this is not just for those of us today. This goes from the Old Testament saints to everyone in future eternity who will ever be those forgiven by God. John three sixteen through 18 and this is, you know, the famous football verse, 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus being the Son of God and the sacrifice of God took our sin on the cross, redeemed us. That is the salvation work. He came to earth as a man, who's Jesus, to represent man. He lived a sinless life and in turn died to fulfill the law so that the penalty of sin that Adam brought into the world would be paid and now man can be right in the side of God. This is exciting stuff. This is great. This is wonderful news. That's why it's called the gospel. This is the good news. We should be excited about this. We need to be taking this to the world. We need to declare this wherever we go. Another part that we see here is Hebrews 10, 4, and then 9 through 10. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And in verse 9, Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish a second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. No matter how many lambs were sacrificed, no matter how many bulls or goats were sacrificed, no matter how many turtle doves, whatever they sacrificed for all the different offerings that they had in Israel, none of them took away the sins of man. Not a single one. It says it right here, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible. But we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He did the work. He did the work. We cannot do the work. We never have been able to do the work. We haven't done the work. Every man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But, look at this. It's not enough that Christ was crucified. Christ rose again and lives in every believer. Every believer. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. We've been crucified with Christ. It's not us. It's not us any longer. 
It's Christ in us that does everything. We are to submit to that will of Christ. We are to live by faith in the Son of God. Because again, God loved the world so much, He gave Christ, His Son. It's not through our own works, Ephesians 2, 4-9, through 9, but God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The work of salvation is Christ's work. We have not done it. We cannot go and brag about it. We cannot boast about it. It is not us. And that's the greatest part of the whole thing. Because we can't do it. Adam and Eve had the smallest Bible ever. Said, don't eat of this tree. What'd they do? They did that. They brought sin into the world. Eve, for some reason, sat there and told Satan, oh, well, we're not supposed to touch it either. Well, that was a sin. She told a lie. I don't know why. Maybe it was to protect. Who knows? But even Adam and Eve, with one commandment, could not fulfill that. You and I couldn't fulfill that. If it wasn't them, it'd probably be me. (laughs) Okay? So the salvation work of Christ, who is God incarnate, saves you from the penalty of your sin and an eternity in hell. You can't work away your sin. You can't be righteous in and of yourself before God because God's righteousness is only perfection. The salvation work is a gift from God. He gave us Christ. He gave us faith in Christ. And through Christ's redemptive work, all mankind who believes in Him will be saved and is saved. All your sins are gone. We're not to walk in a manner of that. We're to walk in a manner of righteousness to God. And God does all the work. Let's pray. Father, God, this is, this is overwhelming at times. Lord, that, uh, you took wretched, evil man,
such as I, and you did a miracle in salvation. Lord, this passage says that the gospel is of the power of God. Lord, if we want to see the power of God on display, look at a saved, redeemed life. That is a true miracle. That is a true miracle. And it is the power of God. Lord, I ask that uh, we would be submitted to You. Lord, we would not try and do things in and of ourselves. Lord, we are not to be subject to the law. We are to be subject to Christ who lives in us. The Son of God, who by nature is entirely God. Lord, I ask that we would be excited about this. Lord, that we would bow before You in fear and trembling also. Thank You, Lord. Amen.